Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week, and we are still in the middle of the coronavirus, but we have some updates and some stuff to look forward to. We're only a week away from the NFL draft. That's something to look forward to. Lots of positivity going around today. It's been a while since we can say that, so we're going to dive in. I got some draft notes for you. We have some odds all over the place. Lots of lots of ways to make money. Don't let the sports books kid you. Don't let the Debbie Downers out there all over Twitter tell you you can't make money. Hey, maybe you can't cash it in for a week or so, but you can make money, and I found some angles. We're going to talk about that. Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, gets you a part of the show. You can catch us on SoundCloud, at SportsGarden.com, of course, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or any of our syndicated affiliates. So let's have a conversation. Where are we standing? We always do it uh, since we've had the outbreak. We always kind of give you where are we standing, and there's a little bit of optimism today. There's a little bit of optimism. I'll give you my take why. I'm not saying there's a lot of bit of optimism, but there's a little optimism today. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we all know, right? Everybody, he's he's become into the lexicon of American language. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is a sports fan. How many of you guys saw the picture of him playing basketball? That was kind of cool, right? He's a basketball guy. He has said there's a way of doing that, meaning bringing sports back, during an interview. He said, look, we can do it. He wants to see sports back. I think we all obviously want to see a sports back. Nobody comes to the stadium. That's right. That's what he, he had said. No one comes to the stadium. You play in empty stadiums. You put everybody in big hotels, wherever you want to play them. Keep them well surveilled. Have them tested every week. Make sure they don't wind up infecting anybody. And let the season play out. Okay. Dr. Fauci, who has been doom and gloom for a lot of this, and whether you know you agree with his politics or not, gives us a ray of hope. Not only does he think that sports can come back, he laid out an outline of how they can come back. Empty stadiums uh, are not ideal. Quarantining players and, you know, basically keeping them up to date, well, uh, it's not ideal. But I'll, I'll say this. There's been situations, go back to the 20s, the 30s, the 40s uh, with baseball players, and what did you have? Managers were there not only to make situations on the field, guys. <laughs> Managers were there. You know, the famous stories about Babe Ruth sneaking out his window to go and party. They were there to kind of babysit. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be babysitting, but to watch these guys is not completely and utterly out of the question. It's not something that people turn around and say, oh, yeah, you know, this is this is just absolutely crazy. Playing in empty stadiums is a novel idea, and I think that, unfortunately, this is where the hiccup is. So, look, we have good stuff. 
I don't want to take this away. Things are progressing, and I like the fact that Dr. Anthony Fauci said, sure, here's a layout. Here's my stag snag, though. The, the, the people that will make the decisions, meaning the heads of Major League Baseball, who the commissioners are beholden to the owners of Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and the NFL. The owners are really making this decision. And the owners believe in many situations that they would rather back everything up, push it off, or cancel rather than play games. They are sacrificing millions upon millions of dollars if they play in empty stadiums. I mean, that's just reality. But to not play, there are the expenditures. Look, you don't have to, you know, the old, the old adage is, well, you don't have to turn on the lights, right? Now, I own small businesses uh, you know, most of my life, uh, own a bar. Okay. If I don't open up, well, I don't have to open up. The, I don't have to turn on the lights. I don't have to pay any employees. I don't have to buy product. I don't have to turn on cable. Uh, I don't have to turn on the heat. I mean, there are these ideas. So they might be able to lose more money by opening than they are to push it back. That's something that they're going to have to sit back and determine. That's something that the owners are going to have to determine. So I see a possible snag there. The other idea is the question that we did bring up, and we saw immediate pushback from a lot of the players. Brett Anderson was somebody that we mentioned last week was at the forefront saying, listen, I'm not being away from my family for four and a half months or whatever the time is. Some of these guys, you know, if you're doing Major League Baseball, you're talking about four and a half, five months. If you're talking about NBA, maybe they're only having a two-month season. But to stay away from their families. Uh, a few guys came out there and said, you know, you better believe I'm going to be there for my firstborn son's birth. I'm not going to be in a bubble. And that's what this really is, in a bubble. There's a little bit more good news, though. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who this week said, WWE, that's right, wrestling is essential. Uh, his quote was, Major League Baseball has been working diligently to plan for many different contingencies, and one of the many ideas has been discussed is play some of our games in Florida, where the uh, public health situation allows it. We are appreciative that the governor is building, uh, playing games in Florida, and Governor DeSantis basically said, sports is now an essential business, so there's an opening there. We're starting to see openings of how can they bring back sports i don't know if it's an opening of they will bring it back but it's how can they bring it back now donald trump sat down with the coronavirus pandemic team and he said he's going to sit down with the commissioners and teams from north america sports leagues to find out how can we do it he wants to sit down with roger goodell adam silver rob manfred gary bettman along with robert Kraft, jerry jones mark cuban um, Dana White, Vince McMahon, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, LPGA Commissioner, USTA Commissioner, MLS Commissioner, NASCAR Commissioner, all sit down and have a press conference about how can we get sports back and how can we do it safely. So sports is on people's minds to bring it back and bring it back safely. Sports is out there. The question is, how do we do it? I don't think that there's any doubt that people are, are pushing for this and they want them to come back. Then you have somebody... Like Gavin Newsom, governor of California, just two days ago said, the chances of mass gatherings in California is low. He said, quote, the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best. 
best until we get to the herd immunity and a vaccine. He said large gatherings in June, July, and August are unlikely. Now, that doesn't mean that that stadiums can't be empty. And that's why Trump is having this Corona task force. He wants to have a conversation about how will it impact the owners? How will it impact the leagues to play in empty stadiums? And will they be able to get the unions to go along with it? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. First, it is on a presidential level. They have to say, okay, we're going to open up the country back. But it's not really Trump's uh, say, is it? I mean, he said it's his say, but the governors are saying, well, it's our say. So now Trump has to get with the governors. And that's step one and two, which if anybody follows politics, those are very difficult steps one and two. So you got to go to step one and two. Then you have to have have the commissioner say, okay, we have a plan. Here's how we're going to execute the plan. This is what we like. So it goes from the president to the governors, now down to the commissioner. Now the commissioner has to take it to the owners because he works for the owners. The owners elect him and the owners put him in charge. So it goes from the president to the governors to the commissioner down to the owners. And then when all of that is done and they everybody's got a great plan and everything is wonderful, now they got to go to the players' unions. And they have to say, are you guys okay being in this bubble, being uh, basically on lockdown on top of the lockdown for two and a half, three and a half, four months, five months, whatever it might be? Are you guys going to approve that? So while we have some hope and I see them trying to push to open up and I see uh, the the light at the end of the tunnel, I think that the light is a lot further away than people are saying, because this has to be a coordinated effort that has an agreement situation on everybody. And then you throw in the mucky wrench of this. What if they are all tested, right? Let's say you put everybody into a bubble, whatever hypothetical bubble. We'll use Major League Baseball just because that, that's at the forefront now. You put everybody into the Arizona bubble. It's an Olympic uh, village type stadium. And their Major League Baseball is playing there. And then they're testing them every week somehow somebody gets out, these things happen, okay? Somebody gets out, somebody uh, catches the virus, and now he is infected. The moment that that player is infected, the league has to shut down, doesn't it? Because if he's infected, he's got to be sequestered for 14 days, which means anybody he's in contact with, oh, they're sharing locker rooms. That now has to be taken away for 14 days. Everybody has to move away for 14 days. The entire league will shut down. So again, Dr. Fauci, I love the optimism. I love the idea. I'm one of these guys that says open the country up tomorrow. I, I just am, okay? I think the economic downturn is just uh, incredible. But my own personal feelings aside, uh, I think it's, it's a little unreasonable to ask Major League Baseball players, NBA, NHL, whatever league that you're talking about, I think it's very unreasonable to ask anybody to quarantine for months upon months inside this imaginary bubble, play games in empty stadiums. I think you're asking a lot of the owners. I think you're asking a lot of the unions. You're asking a lot of the players themselves. And I see a lot of hiccups, a lot of hiccups. With that being said, here's a little bit more good news. And the more good news is Major League Baseball is looking to do different things. Tim Kirchin reported, again, I have a lot of skepticism, not on Tim Kirchin, who is uh, one of the best in the business, but on the reality of what he's reporting. He's reporting that a source told him last week that Major League Baseball could play the season in Japan. Japanese teams would play at night. Major League teams would play during the day and play the entire season in Japan. Again, I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that you could force people to go overseas and play games overseas. Uh, move everybody to Japan for four or five months, play all the games. Uh, guys, I just don't see that. These are not, this is not video game players. 
This is not a video game situation, guys. They're real human beings that have things outside the life. It is reality. And we have to, when we start to talk about things like this, we got to start talking about reality. I don't see Major League Baseball playing in Japan. I don't see them playing in an Olympic village in Arizona or Florida. I don't see them fully quarantined like that. And you want to say all the teams play in a neutral location, something like Florida or Arizona, and they're going to try to 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 do all that kind of stuff. Sure, maybe they can bring their families now. Are you going to take kids out of school to bring their family? I, it, the the more you pull at the ball of the yarn, the more the yarn kind of unravels here. So I am very, and I have been since the beginning, I am very hopeful and I'm optimistic we will have Major League Baseball this year. I have said all along, I don't believe we will have NHL. I have wavered back and forth about the NBA. But I believe we're going to get some kind of NBA. But I don't believe we're going to get four months of bubble baseball. For lack of a better term, that's what I'm calling it. I don't see that happening. It's just too many moving parts. And if one of those things fall off, if one moving part goes off the rails, guys, it all goes off the rails. So that's my take on it. There's a lot of things. I like the idea that we're talking about it. I like the idea that we're talking about how can we get this back? Let's get it back quick uh, from a, a a person that my entire livelihood, my multiple sources of, of revenue, <laughs> my multiple jobs all hinge on when will they come back. You would think I'd be doing cartwheels. I just understand the logistics of things, and I understand the reality of things. I like the idea that we could get happy about this, but the same understanding I'm telling people to pump the brakes. Now, we do have a little bit of good news as well. And now this makes a lot of sense. The PGA has started to schedule their events and basically say, look, we're going to be ready to go in middle of June. I commend them. I think if there's one sport Outside of like ping pong that's still going on. But if there's one American sport, big, big sport that would be unaffected, it would be NASCAR and it would be golf. There are a lot of ways that you can do it. First of all, to play golf with no crowd is okay. I'm not ripping on the golf guys, okay? But you're not getting big crowds and roaring ovations and the golf courses don't make all of their money off of concessions and things like that. So... Playing without fans is is one thing. Secondly, outside of the partner that you're paired up with, who, you, by the way, you could keep a six-foot distance, uh, even though they're saying, what is it, 13 feet now? But whatever it is, it's six-foot different. You could keep that distance. The only other person you're really going to be near is your caddy. So you're really near one person. There's ways that they can handle uh you know, the sticks, pulling the sticks out and getting the ball. There's ways to do all that. I think golf can come back faster than anyone. And them giving it, they're not saying we're coming back in two weeks, they're saying mid-June. They're giving it a number seven, eight weeks before they come back. I think that is a fair estimation, I really do. So I see PGA trying to make an idea to come back, and I go, yeah, you know what, I'm okay with that. I I, I definitely am. I think that that is something um, that, that, that works. You know, that works. And, and they should be the first ones to come back because it's the most logistical sense. Other things that happen when we're talking about sports leagues, the XFL has suspended all operations and laid off nearly all of his staff. Uh, multiple sources uh, reported that one. The league has no plans to return in 2021, so the XFL is done. Uh, think about the timing here. The XFL regular season was scheduled to end last weekend. The league had committed players uh, to pay players. So now all of a sudden, they're not playing. They're not going to pay players. I will not call the XFL a failure, guys. I, I won't do it. 
I, I, I don't want anybody celebrating. I don't want to hear any cheers. I don't want to hear any I told you so's. I think the XFL was fine this year. It wasn't exactly my cup of tea. Um, but it was not a failure by any stretch of the imagination. I, I get a little offended at people saying that it was a failure. It was absolutely not a failure. It had underlying circumstances. I believe that the the rumors that the NFL is basically going to kind of save them and use it as an instructional league, and maybe we might see another kind of incarnation of the XFL. I believe all that as well. So I will hesitate greatly to say that this is a failure. I don't think that it is a failure. I think it's it's naive to say that it was. The XFL will produce some some decent players. The XFL gave us uh, a little diversion. It got good TV ratings early on. It got fans in the stands. It is something that, had the coronavirus not been here, I think it could have lasted and hung on. But what I said originally, when we first broke out the XFL news, and it first went down, and Vince McMahon was going to be a part of it, and then you, you sort of read he was going to pull back. And The first things that I said about the XFL are what I would be repeating today. And the very first things that I said about the XFL right away, right at the top, was very simply this. Guys, I think they're going to be bought out. If they have success, they'll be bought out within three or four years by the, X, uh, by the NFL, who will see a great product and will use it as a developmental league. If they don't have success, I still believe uh, that they'll show enough where the NFL might get involved. Had you not had the coronavirus, I think the XFL would have been okay, would have been looked at in a different light. You can't foresee what's going on now. You can't take this lightly for what it is. And I know they weren't playing, but there are other circumstances here. There are other things at play. So we are, we'll, we won't have XFL anymore. We're not having it next year. It won't come back up. I don't see it bubbling back to the surface. I think it was a very good experiment, but I caution everybody. Don't sit back, don't call me, don't write us at Sports Garden and sit back and say, I told you it was only going to last a year because that's nearsighted. It really is. It is a, it's not a failed experiment here as much as it is a mitigating circumstances that they could not control. It just really was. I'm not telling you it was the Christmas football. And I'm not telling you that they would have made a million dollars, you know, and, and really turned the world on its end. I don't believe any of that. But I didn't believe that in the beginning. I thought... The XFL accomplished what I thought it would accomplish. And I thought that the XFL had some legs for a while. It's a good experiment. Bad situation how it left. And it's just a shame. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. We've got lots more to talk about, including is Odell Beckham on the trading block? Oh, I got some information about that. All that and more right after this on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get the gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? And this week we are looking at the NFL draft. We got a week to go for the NFL draft, but lots of interesting numbers coming out. And let's talk about how many quarterbacks in the first round of the draft. It's been a situation that I've been on top of for a couple of weeks now. We've talked about it multiple times on the show. The numbers are a-moving, and let's talk about it. Over four and a half quarterbacks in the first round, that's where it sits in most places right now. Over the four and a half quarterbacks, 
under the four and a half quarterbacks. On April 23rd, you can get the over-under in quarterbacks uh, in the four in the first round. Right? So that that's where it was. I'm sorry, on March 23rd. March 23rd, you could have gotten over-under four quarterbacks in the first round. You would have been paying minus 140 at Caesar Sportsbook. But we're talking about three weeks ago, four was the number. And here is a exercise in how important that half a number is, that half point, that half person at this point. Uh, Caesar Sportsbook, minus 140 on the four. Tony Pauline joined us last week in an interview, and Tony Pauline said he has four going in the first round, but a fifth won't even go until the second. I mentioned Jalen Hurts. He said, I don't think he's a second, maybe not even a second round pick. I think he had him going in the second round, but maybe not even a second round pick. Might even go to the third. I asked him about Eason. He was a third. So that's Tony Pauline. Joel Klatt had a mock draft, and everybody knows Joel Klatt, right? He only had two quarterbacks in the first round. Now, while I think that's absolutely ridiculous, uh, no offense, Joel, but I, I like your work, but that's an absolutely ridiculous statement. There's no way there's only going to be two. But that's what he had. He had Herbert dropping out and Jordan Love dropping out. FanDuel Sportsbook this week had an NFL Drafts odds boost. They do these odds boosts for the people that don't know that maybe uh, you know, aren't in the market. All of a sudden, you'll get something on your phone. You get an alert, and they'll say, odds boost, and they'll take some odds that they want to get more money on and boost it up to give you a number. Five-plus quarterbacks to be drafted in the first round. So instead of the four-and-a-half, that's everywhere, five-plus quarterbacks boosted up to plus 370. Now, let's talk about Besides, first of all, the quarterbacks, let's talk about what the odds boost does and, and all this. Okay. I told you guys I liked the four. I liked the over the four on March 23rd. I told you I was paying the minus 140 over the four because I fully and truly believed four quarterbacks are going in the first round and maybe there's a fifth. I don't think that there's any doubt right now that Joe Burrow is going number one overall. Nobody should have a doubt that Joe Burrow is going number one overall. Tua should not drop out of the top five. At worst, he'll go 6-7. But I don't think he's getting past Miami at five. So I have two as lock guarantees, and I don't use the word lock, you know that, at going in the first round as you could possibly get. Justin Herbert may go before Tua. There's a lot of conversation right now that the Miami Dolphins prefer Justin Herbert. I think it's a smokescreen. I think Miami's on Tua, but we'll talk about that when I do my draft preview show next week. So that's three. So I need Jordan Love to dip into the first round. Now, do I think he's going in the first five picks? Absolutely not. First 10 picks? No. And I've seen people say in first 10 picks, no. I don't even think he's going in the first 15 picks. Maybe not the first 20. But all of a sudden, teams like New Orleans, that has question marks, after Drew Brees. Teams like Green Bay that have question marks after Aaron Rodgers. Teams like New England that have question marks after Brady left. Uh, established quarterback teams, maybe a Pittsburgh. They have late picks, and you're not going to let a guy like Love, even if he's a developmental project, go. So I have four going in the first for sure. I bet it. I bet it on March 23rd. I told you all I bet it on March 23rd. I laid the minus 140. And I didn't mind taking the four and a half if you were getting plus money back. But now the minus four and a half is about even money, maybe getting 120 back. Do I think that Eason or Hertz can fall into the first round? I do. The more that I do my mock drafts, though, and I do my personal mock drafts, the more I do them, the more I have them falling out. The same teams that I mentioned are who you're relying upon to take a guy like a Hertz or an Eason. The Patriots, the Packers, the Saints. 
And there are some holes on the Patriots, obviously, besides Tom Brady. Defensive holes. I don't know if they take their quarterback that they might use in two years in that spot. I don't think that the Saints, who feel, hey, well, we got Taysom Hill behind us. Uh, we're a Super Bowl-ready team. I, I want to get somebody that helps now rather than two years down the road. A team like Green Bay, well, we got Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, look, maybe he's on the downside of his career, but he's got at least two years left. So I don't love the over four and a half. I like over four because I don't think you get in three. Okay, I think it's a push at worst. I don't love the over four and a half. The five, going back to the FanDuel Sportsbook boost, the five plus 370 is very tempting, folks. But this is a push or loss, where a four to me is a push or win. This is a push or loss to me because I can't imagine six going in the first round. You got your four that I talked about. Eason or Hurts could be five. To get your six, you're hoping Eason and Hurts. That, to me, is a little bit too much. I think it's a little too wide of a margin, and I think that's something that we absolutely have to stop, step back and say, you know, look, there, there are good bets, there are take-a-shot bets, and then there are this. And this just looks like less of a take-a-shot bet as it looks like not an intelligent bet. It's just not something that I, I would be going on. All right, let's get into a little bit more about the NFL draft, some of the things that, that we're hearing. NBC Sports' Peter King is reporting that the Patriots, quote-unquote, love Justin Herbert, but enough to trade up for him? We're not sure. And that's where you get into the Herbert situation. Who doesn't like this kid? Okay, but do you like him inside the top 10? And I think that you're going to have to go inside. I'm sure you're going to have to go inside the top 15. I think you're going to have to go inside the top 10 to get Justin Herbert. Now, it is a massive offensive tackle group. Okay, so we will have a conversation about that next week. It's a massive offensive tackle group. I personally have four, potentially five offensive linemen going in the first 10 picks. That's five guys there. You got the two quarterbacks. That's already seven. Chase Young going. That's eight. So I don't have a lot of room inside my top ten. I can't say Justin Herbert's going to be a guaranteed top ten pick, but I think he probably, it's safe to say he's a top 12 pick, right? The Patriots would have to move up. But they do have the draft capital to do it. How much do they like him? Patriots have 12 picks. That's the second most in the draft to Miami, who's got 13. Okay, so they have the ammunition to do it but only one of them in the top 85. So they would have to backlog this uh, pretty greatly. You look around, what are people saying about Justin Herbert? He could succeed in an offense that uh, you know needs a big arm, but he's not exactly the guy that has a big upside. Now, I think Belichick could live with that. I think Belichick could live with, with that kind of player, but he's not used to playing or coaching a guy with a big arm. I like Brady. And I'm not even telling you that Brady doesn't have a good arm because he's got a very good arm. But it wasn't always utilized the same. I remember, you know, uh, the Randy Morse year. Of course, that was utilized. But more than often than not, it's the dump off. It's the get the ball to Gronk, get the ball to Edelman, get the ball to Welker, get the ball to the running backs. That's what Brady does, and he does it perfectly well. Bell, Bill doesn't like to take big shots because what happens with big shots comes big interceptions. Hence why Jameis Winston will not be a Patriot. So you have that idea. I think the Patriots fans want to drool over Justin Herbert. I think Patriots fans want to drool over the idea of Jordan Love. 
I think both of these players are players that make sense in a Patriots team that would only need to replace a quarterback. But guys, you are forgetting that the New England Patriots lost three key defensive players this year. And Bill Belichick, at the heart of his life, is a defensive coach. Is Jordan Love next year more valuable than Andy Dalton? No. So why couldn't you have Dalton for a year and wait on your quarterback of the future? You know, Belichick is a guy that understands, yeah, quarterback is very important, but he's also a guy that understands, you know, I mix and match. It's next man up, right? It should do your job. It's all the things that Belichick has instilled throughout his entire life where I don't need to reach for that guy. So I don't see them moving up there. I, I think that's a bad bet. How about this? Anthony Lynn, multiple reports are saying, is just completely sold on Tyron Taylor. Now, I'm somebody that sat here last year, and I told you I like Tyron Taylor. I like Tyron Taylor more than most people. I think he he is an effective quarterback in this league. Do I believe he's a top 15 quarterback? No, he's definitely on the other side of it, right? You split the league in half. To me, you always split the you split quarterbacks in threes, but you split the league in half. It's it's top half, bottom half. He's in the bottom half, but you split the league in threes. Is he a top 10 quarterback? No. Is he a middle 10 quarterback? No. Is he a bottom 10 quarterback? Yes. But he's closer to the middle than he is to the bottom. I think Tyrod Taylor can succeed. I don't know why Anthony Lynn is falling in love with him, though. You know, to me, if you put Anthony Lynn or Jameis Winston, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tyrod Taylor or Jameis Winston to Anthony Lynn, I'll take Taylor, sure, because of the price, because of the leadership, because of the mental aspect. I'll take Taylor. If you're telling me, Tyrod Taylor or Cam Newton? Look, I don't like Cam Newton, but I'm taking Cam Newton all day. I'm taking Cam Newton all day. If you're telling me Tyrod Taylor or Andy Dalton, I'm taking Andy Dalton all day. All day long. So when you're looking at, at you know these kind of storylines, understand who you're going up against and, and what they're all, where they might land, what they might do, who might go where. These are all very, very important factors to determining... You know, when you're looking at the draft, we're going to know so much more next week. After the first round is done, you know what? Not even the first round. After the third round is done, we're going to kind of know about Cam, about Winston, about Dalton. And we'll really see if this Tyrod Taylor stuff is a smokescreen or is this Anthony Lynn saying, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to hitch my wagon to him. To me, it makes a lot of sense for the L.A. Chargers to draft a guy like Jordan Love who by most estimations, needs a year, potentially two, to sit and learn. You learn under a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who is a clear placeholder, and you make it an open competition. And if Jordan Love blows the doors off of the world, and he comes in and he he's just a guy you flat out can't sit down, and he's a guy like Russell Wilson. Look, this happened to Russell Wilson. Okay, I watched Russell Wilson at NC State, then he went to Wisconsin. You know, I watched Russell Wilson. And I knew what he was coming in. Well, I didn't think this, but I knew he was very good coming in, but he had to prove himself. And at the time, Pete Carroll said, okay, prove yourself. He made Pete Carroll make that decision. Can a guy like Jordan Love do that? Sure he can. Can he make, can Justin Herbert make somebody do that? Sure he can. Tyrod Taylor, though, is that perfect compliment to, hey, rookie, you don't have to. I'd love to see you blow my doors off and force me to that opinion. I would love that. But hey, Rook, you don't have to. Hey, Rook, you don't have to is a comforting situation. Speaking of 
these quarterbacks, right? Let, let's have a little conversation about the quarterbacks, where we stand. Uh, a couple of quarterbacks have been added to the betting pool, right? Obviously, we've had where will Tua go? He is the biggest action right now. Joe Burrow not getting any action because he's going number one. Now, you could have got him at a beautiful price. Beautiful price a couple of months ago where Tua was still thought. Then Tua got hurt. Burrow pretty much became the number one, and the price has been ever-increasing. Uh, the only question was, would Cincinnati trade it? Is there any possibility that Chase Young goes there? And generally speaking, no, none of that's going to happen. So Joe Burrow is going number one, so he's not getting a lot of action. Two is getting a lot of action. Two is getting a lot of action because he can go as high as two to the Redskins. There's been rumors there. Detroit, there's been rumors of there or somebody trading to there. There's been rumors about Miami trading two, three, not waiting until five. You have Miami sitting at five. Will he get past them? We've heard the rumors that Miami wants to trade up to number one to get Burrow. They're not sold on Tua. Then they might like Herbert more than Tua. So Tua is getting all sorts of attention. Where is also Justin Herbert is also getting attention. Like I said, I, it would not shock me at all to watch a team move up to number three overall, decide to take Justin Herbert over to it, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Justin Herbert sitting there at pick you know, 11, 12, 13. So he's got a pretty broad base of where he might go, who might choose him. And then there's Jordan Love, the great unknown. There are scouts completely split here. We have talked to many scouts. We talked to Tony Pauline last week who really wasn't in love with Jordan Love. Okay? Uh, the pun intended there. But he really wasn't. He doesn't like the, the guys that have, you know, basically bad years in college, and, and that's what Love was. But you see what he can be. Could Jordan Love go in the top five? Probably not. Can he go in the top ten? Sure. Yeah, he can. Can he drop into the second round? Yes, he can. And sports books are telling you that he can. Sportsbooks are setting those numbers. So we did have two quarterbacks jump into the mix, Jacob Eason. Uh, his draft position opens up. They're expecting him at 58 and a half. That's your over-under. Jalen Hurts and Jake Fromm, 64 and a half and 68 and a half. Where are you taking the over-under on these guys? You know, let's talk about it. Uh, Jacob Eason at 58 and a half is his over-under. Oh, boy. That is a really, really well-set number. He's not going in the first round. I don't think that he's going in the first round. I do think he's going to go into the second round. But once you start that second round, most of those guys have already picked a quarterback. You're not going to pick Burrow and then, you know, and Eason. Uh, there could be some trades up. Is somebody really jumping up to get a project like an Eason? 58.5 is a very, very good number. I have a feeling because of Eason's just incredible arm. And maybe because I'm just I'm bullish on quarterbacks this year, Eason's incredible arm, uh, the makeup that people can see in him, and the idea that a team like New England has an opportunity. Look, if New England's sitting there, and I know they only have one pick in the top eighty-five, but they could trade, you know, a third and two fourths, and, and move up into that second and grab Eason. Yeah, I think Eason. I'm going under fifty-eight and a half there. How about Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is somebody I thought could squeak into the top. I did. I thought he could squeak into the first round. I was pretty adamant he could squeak into the first round. And then I spoke to scout upon scout upon scout that told me, Tom, you're overrating Jalen Hurts. Now, I can still believe he's going into the first round, but as a sports handicapper, as a professional better, and I'm looking at people that know more than I do. 
and, and have more insight than I do. It doesn't matter if Jalen Hurts is better than I think or worse than I think. It matters where other people think because that's where he's going to get chosen. Jalen Hurts sitting at 64 and a half. I have the under. I would make a prop bet and I would I would take money that Jalen Hurts may be picked right before Eason. Now there's six six uh, picks a party here, so it's a pretty decent number. I'll say Eason and Hurts both go inside their number. Jake Fromm, 68 and a half. Uh, Jake Fromm is somebody who, who uh, the tape looks better than his results. The tape on Jake Fromm is pretty nice, and it's 68 and a half here. There's going to be a team that inevitably falls in love with, with Jake Fromm, not because they're falling in love with him, but because they love the draft position. Jake Fromm at 68 and a half, that's, that's second round, late second, nearly third. I had him going in the third in almost every mock draft that I said. Now, if you ask me in a bubble, in a bubble, if you ask me real quick and you just said before all this went down, Tom, where do you think Jake Fromm's going? I'm going at late second round. But every single mock draft that I did, and I've done quite a few of them, I've done at least a dozen now, in every single mock draft that I've had, I have Jake Fromm sitting there in the third round. And if I have to go by my numbers and where I'm mock drafting him to, the third round is where I'm mocking him to, which means I'm going to take the over. So that's where I'm sitting, guys, with these other quarterbacks. You know, I have Burrow going one. I have Tua going five to Miami. Hey, Miami might trade up, but I got him going to Miami. Then you have Herbert, probably to the Chargers right now. Love to one of those teams late in the first that needs somebody. I think Hurts could squeak up into the first, but he's probably an early second. I think Eason is a mid to late second rounder. I'll take Jake Fromm in the third round. So... I'm going under, under, over for the new guys that are jumping on the board. Next week, by the way, we're going to talk about all, all, all of the draft picks and all of the draft pick numbers, and we're going to get into that. I did not forget that I said Odell Beckham might be traded. We're going to continue to talk about that in a moment. Odell Beckham, maybe he's traded, maybe not. Depends on who you trust. Plus, oh, by the way, Let's have a little conversation because our friend Jay Cornegie is making some big news in the sports betting world. That's right. He's conquering new territory, and we're going to talk about all that and more. But first, here's Bet to the Future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the Future. Okay, guys, bet to the future. Opening day quarterback for the Patriots. Well, you just heard me give a conversation and say the Patriots at the end of the first might be looking for somebody. Patriots in the second round might be looking for somebody. I think everybody thinks that the Patriots are going to take a quarterback, and there's good reason. Besides the idea that Tom Brady is leaving, and besides the idea that they have a 34-year-old backup in Brian Hoyer, there's also the idea that no one is really sold on Jared Stidham as the starting quarterback. That doesn't mean they can't go out there and get Winston I don't think that's happening. That doesn't mean they can't go out there and Cam Newton. The reports are Bill doesn't like Cam Newton. And that doesn't mean they can't go out there and get Andy Dalton, who they have been linked to forever. But none of them are the long-term answers. But the reason why I think you have to look quarterback for the New England Patriots is very simple, guys. You have to look quarterback for the New England Patriots because they have drafted the third most quarterbacks since Brady entered the league 
of any team. They're always drafted quarterbacks. Bill's always a step ahead. Now, they don't use first-round capital on quarterbacks. Garoppolo was uh, their next guy. Jacoby Brissett was their next guy. They had those guys, you know, kind of sitting aside. So who's going to be that guy? I still think the Patriots walk away. I don't think that we finish three rounds without the Patriots having a quarterback. I'm hesitant to think that we finish two rounds without the Patriots having a quarterback, where they have to trade up to get one, and that's what I do expect. So let's do it. Bet to the future. Opening day odds. Who will be the quarterback for the New England Patriots on opening day? Jalen Hurts coming in at 50-1 to odds. Well, this isn't just that do they draft Jalen Hurts. If you're making this bet, you're not only saying do they draft Jalen Hurts, you're saying does Jalen Hurts beat out Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer? And do the Patriots not take Andy Dalton? That's why you have a 50-1. to I don't see Hurts as being the guy there. You know, Look, he might be a guy that they would take a shot at, but I think he would have to fall out of the second round or at least deep into the second round, and I got him going early, maybe even the first round. Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason, both 40-1. to I'm not against either one of these. These are good odds. The problem is this. If they take Eason, and let's say they take him in late second, or they take Fromm and they take him in the third round, I don't know if they win the job in camp. And that's where you have to remember, it's not opening day quarterback for the Patriots. Uh, I mean, it's not uh, who do the Patriots pick. It's opening day quarterback. I don't know if they take one of these two guys if they're able to beat out. I'm pretty sure Eason won't be able to. I think he is clearly a sit-for-a-year kind of guy. And Jake Fromm, no. So uh, am I... Going to jump on you if you take 40 to 1 odds? No, I understand it. It's a long shot chance. Throw 10 bucks on it. I get it, but I don't love it. Jameis Winston, 33 to 1. I've been against Jameis for a very long time. I've been against Jameis as a fit for the Patriots since the moment his name was mentioned. Bill Belichick hates interceptions more than any other coach in the league, and Jameis Winston throws more interceptions than any other player in the league. So, not a perfect fit. Tua, 33 to 1 for Tua. Uh, You'd have to trade up massively. I mean, the only way this could be done is if uh, Matt Patricia has, you know, if Belichick has maybe naked pictures of Matt Patricia for blackmail. I mean, that's it. That's the only way. Because he's not getting past Miami at five. So you're going to have to trade up. And they're not going to trade to Washington. And they're not going to trade to Cincinnati. So you're looking at the Detroit Lions. I know that there's a connection there. I just don't see them doing it. I I, I don't. Look, two would be a perfect fit there. He would be an absolutely perfect fit, but no. Jordan Love, 25 to 1, and Justin Herbert, 25 to 1. I'm starting to like these odds. Now, not Herbert. I don't think you're going to be able to draft high enough for him. There's been a weird smokescreen about Herbert where he's falling in drafts and people aren't sold on him and maybe he's not as high as people like. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think if Justin Herbert goes in the top 12 picks, Jordan Love can fall. And as Jordan Love falls, he is a guy that, yeah, very, very much can be a sit-down type of guy. Bill Belichick just watched his team get spanked by the new quote-unquote generation quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Maybe Jordan Love's that guy. At 25-1 to odds, I'm willing to take a chance. The problem is this. Once again, we get into a position where every scout that I've talked to, two-way man, says Jordan Love is not ready to play in the NFL this year. He's a project. So although Belichick might draft him, he may not start. Jacoby Brissett, 16-1. to 1. 
I had not thought about this, but Brissett knows the system. Brissett knows the situation. Phillip Rivers is now in Indy. Could they bring back Jacoby Brissett to man this offense? Belichick clearly likes him. He wanted him to be the guy. I think you're asking for a lot of moving parts. You've got to now bring Brissett on board. Convince yourself that Brissett is marketably better than Stidham and Hoyer. Convince yourself that Brissett is the future and you're not drafting a quarterback. Too many moving parts. I know 16 to 1 odds, it's a little intriguing, but I don't love it. Cam Newton at 12 to 1. Cam Newton at 12 to 1 makes a lot of sense. I thought Cam Newton should have been on this team. I think Cam Newton's going to have a good team, a uh, good situation no matter where he goes. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to play well. And I think he could really lead, I, I think he could lead the Patriots to an AFC championship game. I'm, I'm on record saying that now. And I do not like Cam Newton. But I think it's a good fit. With that said, I've heard nothing out of the Boston media but the fact that Bill Belichick and Cam Newton are not a match. They're not a match for what Cam Newton wants to be, for what Cam Newton wants to be paid, and for what the offense dictates that he should be and should be paid. So that's not a fit. I won't be putting my money on that. Brian Hoyer is 10-1. to Gotta like that. I mean, you got to like that. Look, he is the guy in camp right now. He is the guy in camp right now that has a very good opportunity to beat out an unproven quarterback in Jared Stidham. He is a guy in camp right now that the coach went out and specifically went and targeted. He likes him. He liked him last year. He liked him years before that. Bill Belichick, here's a little secret for you. Bill Belichick plays favorites. Yeah, he plays favorites, and Brian Hoyer's a favorite. Ten to one odds, not bad for a guy that's already on the roster. Jared Stidham is the clubhouse leader. Minus 300. He's probably the starting quarterback. I have said it all along. I think that the Patriots and Bill Belichick believe that they got to give this guy a shot. I don't know if Bill, in a candid moment, would say to you, he's the guy. I don't think that they think he's the guy. But I think Bill thinks I can win without him being the guy. I can win without him being the man. He doesn't have to be. He can be a game manager. I can win with a running game. I can win with a defense I'm going to put together and a scheme that I'm going to put together and watch what I could do with Jared Stidham. This is about pride. Now, I'm not laying minus 300 with Jared Stidham when Brian Hoyer's out there at 10 to 1. I'm not laying it. But there is one last bet, and this is the bet that I would still take a shot at. Andy Dalton is 12 to 1 odds. You know, I didn't believe in the Dalton talk. And I wasn't sure that Dalton was the way to go. And I don't necessarily be still believe that Dalton is the end-all, be-all. But I think Dalton makes a lot of sense. I think he does. And I, I think Bill would love to win with a guy like Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton at 12 to 1 odds, the odds are just too good. Throw throw, you know, throw 100 bucks on him, get $1,200 back on a guy that makes a lot of sense. So that is the odds who will be the opening day quarterback for the New England Patriots. All right, I keep teasing it, and I kept teasing it. OBJ, is he traded? Is he not? Is he on the block? Well, we have differing reports here, right? We have differing reports. Mark Malusis came on WFAN in New York and said the Vikings and the Browns are discussing a trade that will send Odell Beckham to Minnesota for a second and a fifth round pick next year. That's pretty specific for a rumor. 
Odell on the move? Oh, I could believe that. Odell to Minnesota, who just lost Stephon Diggs? Oh, I can believe that. Odell with Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I could believe that. Odell for a second and a fifth next year? Lower than market price, but I get it. I could believe that. It all makes a lot of sense. What about the Browns? The Browns, who have a lot of offensive weapons, take a second and a fifth? Uh, okay. I, I mean, I, you twist my arm, I could believe that. And Mark Malus is a pretty pretty good you know, reporter there, so I'm starting to believe that. And you start to, to have the questions, wow, Odell on the move. It's a very specific trade. Then all of a sudden, what we have is Adam Scheffler coming out and saying, the Browns are not trading Odell. Don't believe the reports. Now, he didn't exactly go after Mark Melissa, but he said, no, do not believe the reports. Then Brown's beat writer, Mary Kay Cabot, said, I received a one-word answer from a source close to the Vikings about a report that they're talking to the Browns about trading Odell Beckham. False. Well, this is where what happens during you know the draft season, we'll say. You get a lot of fake reports, and it's not the the reporter's fault. You get a lot of these fake reports. You get a lot of these smoke screens. And this could be permeated by Odell's agent, potentially by the Vikings, potentially by the Browns, potentially by a million different sources. Agents all over the place giving smoke screens to test the market. Yeah, we'll, we'll leak it out that Odell for a second and a fifth, and we'll see, would they accept a second and a fifth? And you kind of leak it out. Do I believe, after all this, I'm not taking sides against Melusis or Cabot or, or Scheffler. I'm not taking sides in this debate. The people that I have spoken to, my quote-unquote sources, tell me Odell is available, but that trade was never necessarily discussed. We don't know, okay? What do I believe? I believe that Odell Beckham is available always. The guy's a head case, and he's an underperforming head case. I think Odell Beckham is available in a trade. I believe that teams are calling about the availability of Odell Beckham. I believe both of those things. But I simultaneously believe that a second and a fifth round pick was not discussed. Because that's too detailed for me. And, and I don't think it's enough. And I also believe that the Cleveland Browns are probably telling teams, yeah, he's not available. But you could keep asking. He's not really available. What's your deal? What's the offer? So that's where I'm looking at this. Um, obviously, you know, look, the Browns traded a first and a third to get, uh, you know, and safety Jabril Peppers to get Odell. I think they'd want something very similar back. I, I, I And you're in the middle of draft season. People are thinking about their draft. They're thinking about this year's draft. People are getting into this season's draft. I would think that they would demand at least a pick this year. I think a second and a fifth is fair for Odell, but I don't think that's uh, something enough to open up the discussions about Odell. The writing is on the wall, though, and the writing is on the wall that maybe Odell doesn't go this offseason, but he's probably not a Cleveland Brown for long. Probably not going to be a Cleveland Brown for long. That's my two cents on Odell Beckham, a guy that who I have watched his entire career from day one here in New York to being traded to Cleveland where we had our... You know, our, our syndication friends over there, <laughs> I watched him very closely uh, in the Cleveland market, and he just never fit. He wasn't a good fit in New York, wasn't a good fit in Cleveland. I don't know if he's going to be a good fit anywhere, okay? And he's an underperforming good fit, so I'm not shocked that he's bouncing around the league and potentially might bounce again.
It's just my two cents. All right. Let's go to a little sports book news. Uh, we'll talk about the coronavirus, and this is some interesting stuff. MGM Resorts, Las Vegas strip shows all have moved to June 1st. So you figure that there's nothing going on until June 1st, right? Every Vegas casino, though, is starting to take reservations, except for the Tropicana, for May. What are they doing? How can you be taking reservations for something that you don't know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to think about this. I speak to you know my friends in Las Vegas, which we've had on the show, and it seems like it's going to be, we're talking June at least. At least June. If they're canceling shows, I don't know how they could expect people to fly in and make reservations. So where Vegas sits, I'm still looking at June despite some maybe conflicting reports. Speaking of Las Vegas and friends, our friend and the guy that we've had on the show, Jay Cornegie, he uh, is the director of the Superbook USA. It used to be the Westgate uh, Superbook. It was the Hilton Superbook before that. Well, the world-famous Superbook brand has a new location. Sports betting in the USA all of a sudden is now the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk, Colorado. 37 miles west of Denver. And ladies and gentlemen, Jay Cornegie is a Colorado guy. He's a Rockies fan, so this is not really a, a giant shock. Uh, Jay said, we believe the Lodge is perfect for our initial expansion opportunities outside of Las Vegas. And when we spoke to Jay two years ago, he talked about the uh, the expansion of the Superbook and what they might do. Um, he said, we maintain a highest level of technology and service in the industry. We have written the playbook on sports betting, and yes, they have in the United States, and now we'll put it into action in Colorado. Moving to Colorado... Um, you know, Jay went to Colorado State. Uh, he he's a Colorado guy. This was made a lot of sense. Plus, oh by the way, it's not that ju- far of a jump from Las Vegas for them to kind of monitor and whatnot. But it is a weird, weird situation. Not in a bad way, but it's a weird and I guess a, a smart situation to kind of conquer the Colorado market. When you talk about the competition that's in New Jersey is fierce right now. It is absolutely fierce. You talk about the competition um, in Mississippi. It's getting there. You talk about the competition that's in Las Vegas, of course, it's absolutely ridiculous. And now you go into Colorado and the Superbook is there first, and they could pretty much dictate right there, hey, we're going to be the guy. So the Superbook goes to Colorado. Um, what I'm interested in here, and I, I you know, have always talked about when we're discussing sports books, I try to talk about what is the interesting angles between everything, right? Sports book is they have a low hold on futures. We understand that. They never overjuice games, things like that. That That's great. But their super contest is what it, it, everybody knows them for. It's the super contest. You pick five games every week. It's for millions of dollars. You get a, a big belt, a, you know, a ring, a bracelet, whatever it is. You, know, you, you get the accolades of being the best handicapper in the country um, for this million-dollar-plus prize win. They're not sure if they're going to officially just do that. They'll have remote signups, okay, where the better doesn't even have to make a visit, but it's not going to be, obviously, as big. But they are bringing this, the the Super Contest there, and I can't be more happy about it, man. I think that's absolutely awesome. The Super Contest is something that, that I love. I, I have problems with the Super Contest because it doesn't really make you the best... 
handicapper. It's just kind of for fun. But I like the expansion of it. And I can't wait to see Jay's next move. And we talked about it. I talked about this as far back as two years ago, that the next move Jay makes will kind of show us the ropes. And that's what he's doing. We know on the East Coast, you have the fan duel, you have sports book, you have, uh, you know, uh, points bet, of course, you have DraftKings. You have those guys battling for what they are battling for. It looks like Jay and the Superbook have decided to take a different path. And they've gone from Las Vegas and being the best casino, uh, the best sportsbook casino in Las Vegas, in my opinion, to now going to Colorado. And will they just start to kind of conquer the West and get ahead of the game? It looks like that's kind of the plan. So that's where we sit, guys. Look, Odell potentially on the move. Dr. Fauci, uh, Fauci and Trump giving us... Yeah, they gave us some some at least good news this week. It, it I'm not going to tell you right now that it's a, a it's going to happen, but I like that people are talking about when are we coming back. Next week's show, I want you guys to listen in. We are going to have an absolutely jam-packed show next week. It is our draft special. I have lines on everything. How many Alabama players are going to be picked? How many SEC players? How many running backs will be drafted? When will they be drafted? What about wide receivers? I, I have things all the way down to Cam Akers' numbers and Thaddeus Moore's numbers and where will Tua be drafted? How about Jacob Eason draft position? Uh, uh, what team he's going to? What about... Position of the last player taken, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, I have odds on that. So we're going to get into all kinds of odds, everything next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Complete draft coverage, wall-to-wall to prepare you to make some money. Like I said at the top of the show, we may not have actual sports right now. You may be sitting there fiending to watch you know, past games, but you can build your bankroll. Sports are coming back. That is inevitable. The timeline, we're not sure, but sports is coming back. They are coming back, and they're going to come back in force. When we begin sports again, you want to have a bankroll to take full advantage of what we're going to give you. We're going to give you information now to lead that bankroll up. You can start making money as of today, leading into this NFL draft. The NFL draft is something you can absolutely make money on. We're going to teach you about that next week. So I'm going to give out some of my best bets next week, tell you how to approach the draft. We have a big show next week, but I hope you guys enjoyed today's show for wagering week i'm tom barton we'll be back and you can bet on that this has been a presentation of the sports garden network to be a part of the show call 1-855-4-GARDEN that's 1-855-442-7836 connect with us on facebook and twitter at sports garden g-a-r-t-e-n get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.